seven. Uh, it's been a joy to look at this psalm. I'm glad it is a short psalm because of the wedding. And school starts for me tomorrow, so I have had to be doing other kind of reading uh, in preparation for that. And so anyway, and by the way, just let me say this, that if uh, you weren't here last week, there's going to be a book signing. Uh, I'm going to have a book signing at Barnes & Noble. It's going to be this coming Saturday. Okay, so it's at 2 o'clock at Preston and Royal. Okay, Preston and Royal. I'm going to do a little reading and then do some signing. Take about 20 minutes or so. Okay? That's Preston and Royal, Barnes and Noble, 2 o'clock. Okay, let's look at Psalm 67. There's only seven verses, and uh, I'm not going to try to draw it out, but I think it's packed with materials, and we're going to try to figure out what it means. If you look at the superscription, it simply says to the chief musician, these are instructions that the writer, who's not identified, by the way, notice it doesn't say David or anything, uh, he's giving the chief musician, notice he's the man who's the lead musician, instructions. And here's what he says, on stringed instruments. This is the, only the fifth psalm that it says on stringed instruments. If your Bible has a Hebrew word, that Hebrew word is translated stringed instruments. And so we know that the harps are going to be playing, whatever kind of stringed instruments they had in those days. Also it says a psalm, a song. We saw that last week. And it could mean that there are two songs embedded in these seven verses, which I don't think is the case. It could mean there are two tunes. Uh, a psalm is a, more of a poem. And uh, maybe part of it is going to be chanted. A part of it is going to be sung by the choir. And maybe another part is going to be sung by the congregation. But in some sense, there are two dynamics going on here. And I don't know if we'll be able to discover those or not. Now, I want you to notice two characteristics about the psalm. First of all, it's a song of blessing. Okay? Notice verse 1. God be merciful to us and bless us. See that? Look at verse 6. The end of verse 6. God, our own God, shall bless us. And then look at verse 7. God shall bless us. Now, who's God blessing in this psalm? Us. You see that? So this, the blessing is for God's people. So this is a psalm and a song of blessing. And uh, when you see, bless us, bless us, bless us, it should, as we've said many times before, take you back to Psalm 1, blessed is the man, remember that? That walketh, what is it? Not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the, standeth in the way of uh, whatever it is, and sitteth in the seat of the scornful, right? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, Psalm 1 says there are certain kinds of people that God blesses. Okay. In the New Testament, it should make you think of the Beatitudes. Blessed is the person who is uh, poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know? Blessed are the merciful, so, uh, for they shall be uh, find mercy. So there are certain kinds of people that God blesses, and there are certain kinds of people that God curses. In fact, in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, there's a whole list of cursings and blessings. And they're both aimed at God's people. 
You don't think that God curses his people. Don't think of a curse, though, as, you know, like a voodoo curse. Okay? It just means that uh, God comes against these people. And he does it when they are disobedient. And God blesses these people when they are obedient. Now, what you have here is a prayer. And the prayer says, God bless us. And if this person has to pray for God to bless them, well, what does that indicate? That he hasn't been blessing them and something's been wrong. See? So, just think of it in that way. Now, there's a second characteristic about the song. Okay? And that is there are five lets. L-E-T apostrophe S. Five lets. And these lets are a call to worship. Okay? You'll see that in verse 3. Let the people praise you. Verse 3. Let number 2. Let the people. Verse number 4. Let the nations be glad and sing. See, these are calls to worship. Look at verse 5. Let the people praise you. Let the people praise you. So you see that there are five lets, and these five lets are calls to worship. Notice that verse 3 and verse 5 are identical. Look at that. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. That's verse 3. Look at verse 5. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. So these are identical, and they are to be repeated. And maybe that's where the chant comes in. Maybe that's where the choir comes in. We're not sure how all that works out, but that's where you need to use your imagination. And for those of you who have a background in music, and music appreciation, and music theory, you might be able to work out how all that comes together. It's hard for me. who I can't carry it in, you know, in a bucket. So that's just the way it is. Just like I can't dance. Now why are people laughing? You say, why are people laughing? Because last night at that wedding, someone forced me to get up and dance. Gwen said, you just going to let me sit here? <laughs> and that farm girl, who I never thought danced, grabbed me by the arm and pulled me out on that dance floor. And believe it or not, there are people that have pictures of it. <laughs> now look, don't believe everything that you see. Don't believe the rumors, because you know that I wouldn't do that, right? Good Baptists would never do anything like that. Even if they show you the picture, that's not me. You've seen pictures of Sasquatch. Remember pictures of Sasquatch? You see this monster sort of walking like this? It's always blurred. They say, I saw that. Look, it doesn't, you look at it, it They show you pictures, no matter what they see, say, that's not me. Okay? Just what you know. So, anyway, why am I talking about this? <laughs> okay, we were talking about the features of the song. <laughs> okay. So those of you who have music appreciation, <laughs> understand the song better than I do. It sort of serves as a refrain or a chorus. Okay, now here's how I'm going to outline the song. Uh, for those of you who'd like to take notes. Verses 1 and 2, a prayer for blessing. Verses 1 and 2, a prayer for blessing. Verses 3 through 5, the invitation or the call to worship. Verses 3 through 5. And then verses 6 through 7, God's answer to the prayer. You actually have the 
concept of God is blessing the people. Okay, so let's look at the the prayer for blessing, verse one. Here's what he said: God be merciful to us. Some translations say God be gracious unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. Now notice there are three words there that are very important. The word mercy or gracious, merciful or gracious, which uh, speaks of God's compassion. It's a covenant word. Then you'll see the word bless. That means God prosper us. This is the prayer for God's grace, God's compassion, for God to prosper us, and the word shine. Let his face shine upon us. And that speaks of God's approval or God's presence. Now, if I talk about graciousness and blessing and His face to shine upon us, for all of us who have studied the Bible even a little bit, that should bring to our minds number six, the high priestly prayer where He says, The Lord bless thee. The Lord bless thee. Right? And keep thee. And keep thee. The Lord make His face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Now notice, the Lord bless thee. Is that one of the words? And be gracious unto me. That's one of the words. And the Lord's face shine upon thee. That's the third word. And give thee peace. That's the end result. So the, pro, the, the pro, uh, psalmist here is asking for that blessing that the priest would bless over the nation and over the people. The psalmist is asking for that blessing to become a reality. And then it says, say a lot. So evidently when the group is singing together, the congregation is singing together, they need to be thinking about this. Why are we not being blessed? You know, and just this should be turned over in their minds and it should be turned over in our minds as well. And then we see in verse 2 the purpose for the blessing. Look at this. That. You see that? So it says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. That. Here's the purpose. So that, see that? In order that, why do we want God to bless us? That your way may be known, look at this, on earth and your salvation among the nations. Notice that the blessing is not for blessing's sake. We want the Lord to bless us real good. We want a blessing for blessing's sake. But here, the blessing is that, what? The nations, the people, will know God. And so the blessing on Israel is for the sake of the nations. If God blesses and He delivers Israel from her enemies, the nations will open their eyes and they will get to know God. It will bring the knowledge of God to the earth. So, therefore, this psalm is a missionary psalm. See, the purpose isn't for God just to bless us. The purpose is for God to bless us so that the nations will know God. It's a missionary psalm. And when you put verses 1 and 2 together, it immediately goes right back to the Abrahamic covenant. These words, or all these words, are found in the Abrahamic covenant. So for a split second, I want you to mark your Bible here and just turn back to God's covenant with Abraham, which we all know, some of us by heart. 
in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And notice that Israel's blessing is that the earth, the nation, shall be reached. So, when you get to Genesis 12, I want you to look at verse 1. Okay? This is called the Abrahamic Covenant. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Now watch this. To a land that I will show you. He's going to make from Abraham a nation called Israel. I will make you a great nation. Now look at the next word. I will bless you. Do you see that? I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, in Abraham and through Israel, look at this, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So notice, God's going to bless Israel, but not bless Israel for blessing's sake, but bless Israel that through Israel, the nations of the world will be blessed. You see that? So that's the Abrahamic covenant. What you have in Psalm 67, basically, is the same thing that God, they, the, the psalmist asked to be blessed so that the nations, in turn, will know the salvation of God and also will be blessed. So, there's a prophetic dimension here. Okay? So, Israel is blessed that the nation shall be blessed. Now, unfortunately, that's somebody's cell phone ringing. Okay, thank you, Thomas. That'll give me an opportunity to show you how I didn't dance last night. Okay, so now. Um, <laughs> Go back to Psalm 67. So Israel, the psalmist says, bless us. The fact that he says bless us means evidently they're not doing what they should be doing, so they need the blessing, so that the nations shall be blessed. So if you're in Psalm 67 again, what you have is verse 1 has a national focus. Bless us. A national focus. That's Israel. Verse 2 has an international focus. Notice all nations. You see that? So that's the thing that you need to see. So the blessing of Israel is a tool to reach the nations. Okay, we'll go again. Well, I understand that. That's okay. People over here who are hard of hearing don't even know it's written. Okay, so here we have that blessing. Prayer for blessings. Now let's look at the second portion of the psalm and look at verse 3. We're going to call this the invitation to worship. So now notice what the psalmist says. In light of the fact that the nations will know God and will see his salvation, the invitation to worship, let the peoples praise you, O God. In other words, once they know God and they see how he delivers Israel, he sees the salvation of Israel, then in turn, they are to do something. Let the nations praise you, O God. They're to take notice and praise God. Let the peoples praise you. Okay. In fact, it says, let all the people praise you. You see that? 
In verse 3, what you have is a parallelism. The line 1 and line 2 say the same thing. But it, line 2 is moves the statement along just a little bit further. It's called a progressive parallelism. Watch line 1. Let the peoples praise you. That's basically what psalmist wants the nations to do. But then look in verse, into verse 2. It doesn't say let the peoples praise you. It says what? Let what? All the people praise you. See how it progresses and makes it larger? So, how many people are supposed to praise God? All the people. The psalmist desires that the whole world praises God. He wants the whole world reached. He wants the whole world to know God. Now look at verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the peoples righteously and govern the nations of the earth. And this is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. When all the nations come in and they worship God, and there's a judgment, and God rules all the nations of the world, the psalmist is asking for the Abrahamic covenant to be fulfilled. And that everyone worships God. And then he says in verse 5, Let the peoples praise God, O Lord, that all the nations praise you. And I want you to know something, that we don't have to wait until Abraham's covenant is fulfilled and God ruled over the whole world and the kingdom comes to earth before praising God. We can get on to praising God right now. And uh, that's what he's calling us to do. We can experience the future now. No need to wait. Now look at the third section of the psalm. Okay? The answered prayer, verse 6. Okay? What happens when the covenant is fulfilled? What happens when all the nations are praising God? Look at the result of the answered prayer. Here's what's going to happen. Then the earth shall yield her increase. Then the earth shall yield her increase. The curse on the land is going to be reversed. The desert's going to bloom like a rose. There is going to be growth and fruit and vegetables and food all seasons because the earth is going to yield and it's going to yield its increase. The prayer is going to be answered and this is future reality. And then he says this in verse 6. God our God shall bless us. God our God shall bless us. Now, there is a theory that many commentators have, that this psalm uh, may have been written as late as the Babylonian captivity. You know, Israel was not very obedient to God. God's goal was for Israel to be obedient to Him, to be a light to the nations. The nations would come in and worship God. Israel never did what it was supposed to do. And as a result of it, God allowed Israel to be defeated and become captive to different empires. And one of the empires that took over Israel was the Babylonian Empire. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? You know that. And there's a theory that this psalm may have been written during that period of time. And so now think of that. Here they are. They should have been a light to the nations. Now they're captive by an empire. They should have been blessed, but they're being cursed. Babylonia should be praising the Lord, but they're not praising the Lord. They're probably praising their own gods. 
And now you can see the psalmist writing this thing, and this is his prayer. Oh, Lord, bless us that we may bless the nations. Reverse everything. And now he sees it actually happening. And uh, he sees this as the end game. The end game is that when it all happens, the curse will be reversed, the earth will yield her increase, the kingdom of God will come on the earth, the desert will bloom like a rose, there will be fruit and vegetables 12 times a year, you know, there will be 12 seasons. And he says, God, our God, notice in verse 6, in the middle of verse 6, God, our own God, shall, notice that's future tense, you see that? Shall bless us. Shall bless us. When that happens, we know that God's going to bless us. That's the blessing. So in verse 1, you got the prayer. Lord, bless us. You see that? That's the prayer. Lord, bless us. Look at the answer to the prayer in verse 6. God, in the future, shall bless us. He's anticipating that prayer being answered. Does that make sense to you? Now, I want to show you one other passage, okay, which is in light of everything that we said, we just jump right out of the page. Okay? I want you to go to Ezekiel, chapter 34. And when you get there, I'm going to say a word. I'm going to explain what this is about. Ezekiel, chapter 34. Ezekiel 34. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel. You see Daniel, you've gone too far. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel is a prophet. He is writing to a nation that is in Babylonian, in Babylonian captivity. Which, if that psalm was written then... These are contemporary writings. And he has a prophecy. He has a prophecy. And he's going to tell us what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Listen to the word. Ezekiel 34. And I will start at... Let's do verse 23. Look what he says. I will establish one shepherd over them. When the kingdom comes, there'll be one leader, one shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There'll be one shepherd over them. He shall feed them. And here's his name. My servant, David. Now wait a second. David's been dead for years. How's David going to be ruling over Israel when the millennium comes? Oh, it's going to be the seed of David. It's going to be David's offspring, the Messiah. A new David, okay? is going to be ruling over them. Watch this. He will feed them and be their shepherd. Look at verse 24. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. Now watch this. Look at verse 25. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land. They will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill. Look at this. A blessing. You see that? A blessing. I will cause showers to come down in their season. And there shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees. Now look at the words. The trees shall yield their fruit. And the earth shall yield her increase. Does that sound familiar? 
Comes right out of the psalm, doesn't it? See, these describing the exact same thing. They shall be safe in their land. They shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke, and I have delivered them from the hand of those who have enslaved them. Does that sound familiar? Sounds almost like an identical quote right out of Psalm 67. This is how, this is the end game right here. This is what's going to happen. The yoke of bondage is going to be broken off of Israel when they come to their senses and repent. And when they do, God's going to bless them, and they are in turn going to bless the world. The world is going to come to know the Messiah and know God. And then in turn, the world will start praising God. And the prophet Ezekiel sees the day as if it has happened already. He sees it in the future. So go back to Psalm 67, and let's just finish up those verses. We only have to have a verse with them. So I'll just read six, verse 6 over. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God our God shall bless us. Notice that is in the future. That's the result. God's going to bless us. Now look at verse 7. He shall bless us. Says it twice. In the future. That's what God does. What does God do? He blesses us. That's what God does. Here's what we do. And all the earth shall fear him. All the earth. And that doesn't mean just God's people. That means all the nations shall fear him because they are going to see the great deliverance of Israel and what God's done and the deliverance of these people. And in turn, they're going to stay, see how awesome it is and they're going to go, <gasps> and they're going to start praising the Lord. They're going to realize that the God of Israel is the creator God and their God as well. And the thing is, that's what God's going to do. He's going to bless us. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to fear Him. Fear of God is just the beginning of knowledge. We don't have to wait to fear Him. We should be doing that right now. And we should be praising Him right now. And we should be blessed right now. In fact, I would say that most of us are blessed. Aren't we? But blessing isn't for blessing sake. God blessed you. He probably blessed just about everybody in this class. But the blessing isn't for blessing's sake. The blessing is that being blessed, we can bless others. So, has God blessed you with food? Then guess what you should be doing? You should be sharing your food. Has God been has God blessed you with uh, with wealth? Then you should spread the wealth. Not hoard the wealth. Through the blessing that God has blessed you with, you should be blessing others. Has God blessed you with health? Then you should be serving others. He's blessed you with health so that right now you can serve others. And that's the blessings that we have. And when you bless others, the amazing thing is God blesses you. He blesses you more. I can tell you this from a personal experience. Whatever I have sensed that God wanted me to bless somebody and I bless them, he, in turn, blessed me more. And you can't out-bless God. And I just want you to know that. And that's a principle. If you've been blessed, you, in turn, should be a can-do-it for blessing on others. And we need to take that lesson with us. Uh, Bob Cook was the former president of King's College. 
and the president of Youth for Christ. He had a radio program, and this man ended his radio program every day with these words. Walk with the king today and be a blessing. And that's the message I'm going to leave with you. Walk with the king today and be a blessing. Because God's blessed you. It's perfect. Next week, 35 <laughs> verses on Lord, thank you for this passage. We see how you want to bless a nation, that other nations shall be blessed. And we see the end game being the kingdom of God on earth. And we can only imagine what that would be like with no more wars, no more conflict, no more hunger, no more suffering, but blessing for all. And yet, Lord, we can't bless the nations individually. And you have a message for us. You've blessed each one of us personally. Now, Lord, as the nation of Israel was a blessed nation, help us as individuals to bless other individuals who need a blessing today. Help us to walk with the king and be a blessing. In Christ's name. Amen.